0: Newcastle's best childhood centres: The Little Unicorn. Explore, play, discover, grow. Enrol now. Supporting Newcastle's only mum's radio show. I got it from my mama. With Beck and Sarge.
1: Hello, it's Sarge. This is our domestic violence episode. I am going to share um, my past with you. I was in a uh, violent relationship for very many years and uh, managed to get away. We're going to talk about red flags. That could signal trouble for you later on uh, in a relationship with someone. And if you are facing that at the moment, how you and your kids can get out safely. We'll hear from Melissa Histon from Got Your Back Sister and also Matthew Carney of Baker Love Lawyers.
0: This is the I Got It From My Mama podcast.
1: Mel Histon joins us now from Got Your Back Sister, a um, local, which we're really uh, proud about in Newcastle, charity that help women and children thrive and live independently after escaping the trauma of domestic violence.
2: One thing that I have learned through starting the charity is that it is our human right to be safe. Yeah. And it's actually our human right who live free from violence. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at the, the Charter of Human Rights, domestic violence is a violation of a person's human rights. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when we say that to people, it's god for them because for many women, they have, it's become part of their normal life. Yeah. Yeah. They don't actually realise that it is, a, it is a violation of their human rights to be disrespected, to be abused, to, to not live in safety, number one. So I just want to put that out there. It can be very easy to be dismissive of um, abuse and behaviours, mm-hmm. and controlling behaviours that people are experiencing, but it's not okay. It's actually really not okay, you know. And it's that serious that the you know that the UN says it's a it's a violation of your human rights. We speak to many women who come through our building over at House at HQ, and you know what? Man is not an island, but woman's is not an island. We are born and it's our makeup to be in a partnership, in a relationship, really. It's our biological makeup. So, you know, it's only natural that people want to be in relationships with people. But there certainly are some red flags uh, that people can, women can look out for. And it's really interesting when we run workshops, for some of our ladies, and especially you know, especially some of our ladies who are younger, they might be in their early twenties. That when um, you know we go through these red flags, and they've already been in an abusive relationship, they're like, "Oh my goodness, I had no idea." Now you say that, I can totally see that that led me on a slippery slope, and it, it let me it led me down a slippery slope of you know, excusing a few things. The yeah. next thing, I'm in a totally violent relationship. Mm. And so, what's interesting is that. You know, one of the red flags that we say to people is if you start dating a guy and, you know, within a week or so, he's telling you how he's madly in love with you. You're the best thing that has ever happened to him. And he has you on a total um, pedestal and it's like, I can't live without you. You know, he's in two feet straight away. That's actually a red flag. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
3: And a lot of women are probably really desiring that, you know, which is really quite mm. scary.
1: Yeah. Especially if you've been single for a long time. that's right.
2: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, and there's nothing better than the feeling of being in love, you know, so, you know, and when you've had a hard time and somebody is adoring you, that can be really lovely, but it actually is a red flag. If Mm. somebody is putting you on a pedestal like that straight away, you know, early on. Okay. Another red flag is constant texting so Mm. if you start dating somebody and they're texting constantly you know wanting to say hey I'm just checking in what are you up to where are you at we go red flag wow
3: yeah Mm. red flag
2: because again it's like you know you're at the top of the slippery dip. you're on that slippery slope it starts them like I'm just checking in you know what are you up to and as a red flag it can lead on to that whole jealousy because the the guy's insecure so at least to jealousy it can lead on to Controlling behaviour, you know, that's a red flag flag for an a possible abuser. Yeah, that makes sense mm. too. Yeah, giving yeah. gifts early on, and, oh, and, and okay. Talking about, yeah, talking about you know, this is signs early on in a relationship. Yeah. Like we we love gifts, yeah, yeah. But you know, it's really funny. I was talking to um, a young girl. She was nineteen. She had already been in an abusive relationship, and she said to me, "You know what? It's really." I found it really strange that he actually at first was telling me how great I was, how much he loved me, and then all of a sudden he started to want to know where I am all the time, and then he mm. started to say some things that weren't very nice to me, and he's telling me he loved me, but actually he was kind of saying these awful things about what I was wearing and what I was doing, he's, and she went, but then he was buying presents for my, fa- my parents, mm. and, my, and my parents were saying to me, what's wrong with you? This guy's mm. great. Oh. And, Right, you know, and I go, it's really confusing. You know, I don't mean to be demon Glenn, but I go, we need to be aware. Absolutely. I Glenn. wish I'd
1: had that conversation with you eight years ago, Mel, even more, because I was in um, an abusive relationship, emotionally abusive and occasionally physical. Uh, just in terms of um, those early stages, I had all of those flags. He asked me to marry him within the first two weeks of meeting him. Now, This was a guy who was pretty good looking, seemingly had a great job and when he gave me a massive diamond ring after two weeks of knowing him and I said yes, you know, and then everything started to come out in the wash and I got to a point where I said, look, I don't really want to marry you and he said well, I'm leaving and made all these threats, so I married him and it just was worse and worse. And it's funny yeah. because I basically um, should be thought of as a smart person. I went to law school, went, had a great education, was always thought that I was instilled with virtues of feminism and so forth. And um, all of that just unraveled within years of being with him, you know, telling you that you're stupid and you're overweight or whatever, all of those demeaning things. And you think to yourself, oh, and they tell you, oh, you could never get anyone else. And then you think, oh, I couldn't, I could never get anyone else. I have to stay with this person. And there is nothing worse than just feeling like you are not safe in your own home and sometimes you feel like when he was drunk I just couldn't go home, things like that. You've just got to stay out for how long you don't know. Those sort of things um, are just horrific. But my final straw was the fact that he wanted to have a child and I thought, look, I can deal with this to a point but there is no way that I would bring a uh, human being into this situation, A, a, a baby, you know, who's just so beautiful and new.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah. But then I suppose I, other other people don't have the the chance to get out sometimes, yeah. and that's where the real scary side of it yeah. comes into play when they do have children and mm. you know that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh,
2: well, absolutely. And hats yeah. off to you for getting out. Yeah. You know, like that. That's really, really. That's wonderful that that you were able to get out. But. You can totally see how it becomes this whole slip, misplace. And at the beginning, there's no way you were thinking, "Wow, that this behaviour, the giving of a diamond ring, and you know, falling in, falling madly in love with you straight away." You kind of go, "Well, wow, it's beautiful and overwhelming," but yeah. you know, it it actually stems from that guy being incredibly insecure, which then leads yeah. on to you know, jealousy and controlling behaviour and. And you know, become physical as well. there
3: are potentially women out there who are listening to this episode and who are facing a difficult situation that they would perhaps like to get out of, um not know how to get out of. what would be their first step to get help and in and like as a twofold question, I guess i I haven't been through it, but my biggest fear, I would presume would be the repercussions of leaving and failing yeah. to leave. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Um, yeah. So when you take that first step, how can that be avoided as well?
2: First of all, tell somebody. Tell somebody. If you can, tell somebody what's going on, somebody that you really trust. Give that person their set of house keys and keys to your car. Get another set of keys and hide them somewhere around because if you actually are at a point where you need to get out and the, your partner or husband, whoever, um, the perpetrator, get hold of your keys you've got no way to get out to get to your car you know what i mean you need to think Mm -hmm. practically you know i was talking to a lady once and she she said my husband used to lock me in the house i couldn't get out when so whenever he went out he locked me in the house but she said she said one day i managed to get a spare key and i hid it in a shoe and i was just waiting for the day i could get out so i would say if a woman is serious about actually wanting to get out of a violent home he needs to start thinking about those things and exit mm. strategy. Yeah. But also, I would also say tell a trusted friend, confide in somebody and somebody that you can trust with some of those details, bank account details. But also, look, you know, there's a DV hotline, 1-800-RESPECT. I would also say to anybody, call that hotline and get some advice, one-on-one advice. Um, you know, it's a 24-hour hotline, so you can call it two in the morning if you need to. If you need advice, call the hotline. And I'm talking about if something happens and you need you need advice and help straight away, you can call those two lines. There are numerous services around Noble Women and Children. There's Jenny's Place. There's Newcastle Family Support. There's Eastlake Family Support. There's Got Your Back Sister. Get advice and help as well. Melissa, one of the things
1: I did was I yep. made it always, him always think that there was hope until I had um, had everything together. And then I just had a few hours. I can remember um, that my mum came up and helped me and I just got a dumpster and threw everything off the balcony, which was, I'm sure, spectacular for everyone. (laughs) And in that time, and packed what I needed to within those few hours and then we left. But yeah, a really scary time.
2: And and interestingly, is that they actually say there are some key times that they go particularly dangerous if you're in a violent, violent relationship. One of them... Is, the, is when you leave that's one of the most dangerous times so that's why you know really what you have done is is was great in that you know you really thought about it you came up with an exit strategy an exit plan that you could execute to do that as safely as possible
3: and what about after like how how can the person um be protected i guess do they go into a kind of hiding is that how it works
2: Look, I think that's a case-by-case case thing. I certainly, unfortunately, have heard of situations where women have had to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you contact police. Get the police to come. They have domestic violence officers um, that are there to help you. So absolutely contact police. But you can go and have an ABA put out against your partner. You know, if you feel as though, you're, you know, you're not going to be safe, safety comes first at the end of the day. So I would absolutely do that. You know, there's different um, organisations that can do things in terms of making your new place secure. I found in terms
1: of an AVO that that was something that um, scared my partner at the time. He was scared of you know an AVO and the repercussions that it could have on his career and all that thing. Yeah. So that is something that maybe. Could be considered by some, I guess.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And is there
3: like plenty of advice out there on how to get set up again and and start again?
2: Yeah, look, absolutely. So, again, you know, you can talk, anybody can talk to the call the DB hotline, 1 800 respect, and they will also direct people to various, I think, violence support services, you know, to help them get accommodation, but also to help provide the support that they need so that they can start their lives again.
1: Melissa, you've been so inspirational and incredible coming on the show. Thank you so much. Uh, What can we do to support you? Spread the word, I guess, about Got You Back
2: to Start. We're over at Post Hill and we're there to support women in need, women who are starting their lives again, who are escaping domestic violence. Um, But you know what? Look after yourself and stay safe. If you're experiencing violence, don't be afraid to reach out and ask for help.
0: I got it from my mama with Beck and Sarge on Apple, Spotify and NHM com. Big
1: shout out and thank you to our sponsors, The Little Unicorn. They offer quality early childhood education for children aged between six weeks and five years of age. With a focus on fun, play-based learning, The Little Unicorn Centres have been designed with your child in mind, my little nine-month. Old Lily goes to the Little Unicorn Broad Meadow. There's also Honeysuckle and soon-to-be Charlestown Square. But I love the Story Park app because it's on my phone and while I'm here at work, it keeps me up to date with what little Lily is doing and so I can go about my day and still enjoy her and her day. Visit the Little Unicorn website today, the Little Unicorn Explore, Play, Discover, Grow. Matthew Carney from Baker Love Lawyers joins us for our domestic violence episode. In terms of an AVO, that's the thing people talk about Uh, with you most as their first conversation, how would you go about seeking one of those?
0: So there's two ways to seek an AVO. Most people would make an application through the police. So the first thing they would do is make an appointment, go in and speak to the domestic violence liaison officer. They would obtain all the relevant information and then make the application on that person's behalf.
1: When do you think it's appropriate to go down to go and sit with a lawyer or a family lawyer to talk about things and what are some of the things that might come up when you decide that you're going to leave a domestic violence relationship and, yeah, you basically want to make plans to do that?
0: Sure. So we can advise on a number of different areas. The first is where there is a specific view of violence Usually in those circumstances we'd refer them straight to the police to take action in that regard. We could also advise, however, with family situations, so what to do with the children, how to assist that person in leaving the home uh, in a way that's safe uh, for both themselves and the children, and also to make all arrangements that that usually flow after that situation has arisen.
2: So
3: how much of a difference does a domestic violence case make when you're going to a court compared to just a normal separation?
0: Again, two aspects. If you want to go through the AVO channels, um, it certainly does make a difference because the court has to take into consideration a pattern of behaviour or if there's one-off family violence, that's certainly enough to make an order. With care arrangements for children, uh, the court as a primary consideration must take into consideration the need to protect any child from any form of harm. So it's extremely relevant there doesn't have to be specific violence aimed towards a child. Exposing any child to any form of family violence is, uh, is viewed very seriously by the family courts.
1: What about in terms of AVOs and how they affect the other party? Because I know when I was leaving a specific partner in my past, I threatened him with an AVO and he thought that was very undesirable in terms of held on their record. Does it affect um, them in terms of employment for the future? How can it impact their life, Matthew?
0: Sure. So an AVO is a civil matter. So it only becomes a criminal matter if there's a contravention or a breach of that order. Okay. A court will only grant an order if there are if they meet the legal test so generally you would have to prove that there's either been physical violence harassment intimidation or stalking the court would then only provide an order for the protected person so the person seeking the order to the extent that it that person needs its protection so uh, to answer a specific question about how it impacts them it depends upon the nature of the order made by the court the court can do very open um, Orders which essentially just stop that intimidation, harassment, stalking, destroy or damage property. Or there can be very, very specific orders about not approaching uh, the person or people with whom they have a domestic relationship.
1: When you're seeking an AVO, can you request what you want the AVO, the outcome of the AVO to be, or is that for the judge to determine?
0: You can al- always uh, request. What happens is you file an application, usually that's assisted through the police. When the matter then comes before the court, uh, the domestic violence liaison officer will obtain your instructions at each court event and you can update them about your circumstances. Generally speaking, however, it's important to note that once you file an application, it's then the police's application, not your own. So the police make the application on your behalf, they run the application, but ultimately it is a determination for the judge to make about what orders are appropriate in those circumstances.
3: What about if you're separating and there has been domestic violence recorded? and you are coming to the point of trying to work out where the children are going. How does the domestic violence case affect that side of things?
0: Okay. So with any children's proceedings, the ultimate test is what's in the best interest of the children. So if there's ever been any sort of family violence, the court must take that into consideration. The court also has an, a duty to take into consideration any AVO when determining whether to make, uh, well, how much time that, that parent will spend with their children. So... They have to take it into consideration, and the primary consideration is always what's in that child's best interest. Mm.
3: So I guess if the, if the, the perpetrator has not mm. been violent towards the child as such, I guess it's to a lesser extent that they're going to they're gonna be more likely to have access to the children. They
0: will likely have access. Um, the manner in which that access takes place will yeah. be the important decision. So the court will look at whether the child not necessarily has been the victim, but also whether they've been exposed to it, because exposure to family violence can also have significant impacts upon a child's uh, life long-term and in the short term.
1: We talked uh, previously before the show about property settlements and how they can be impacted by domestic violence. Can you recount that now, Matt?
0: So there is a case called Kennan. What Kennan states is if a person has been subject to family violence and if that impacts upon their ability to usually undertake their lives in the usual state... Um, they can't make the usual contributions that they otherwise could have to their own well-being or to their children's well-being. If the court is satisfied that there's been a pattern of behaviour and that impacts upon the, um, that person, the court can take that into consideration when determining what property they receive at the end of the relationship.
1: And that would be quite, you would think that's an easy causal link to make, wouldn't you? The fact that if domestic violence was a part of their life, that it would make a severe impact on their, their career? Is it, is it hard to prove in the courts?
0: Is a matter, like anything, requires evidence. So the court must make a finding on the balance of probabilities, so is it more probable or not that one person's telling the truth or the other, um, that this family violence has happened? That's the first step. And then secondly, how it has impacted upon that person. So the court has to take into consideration those two factors when determining how much of an adjustment they'll make because of that family violence. But yes, generally speaking, when they are satisfied that family violence has taken place, it always has a detrimental impact on that person. My advice is always to ensure yourself and your children's safety is the number yeah. one. So if a situation has arisen where there is family violence and when the decision is made that, that you're going to leave that relationship, usually obtaining legal advice is, is a really good idea because we can point you in the right direction at that point.
1: All right. Thank you so much for your time.
0: That's okay. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I got it from my mama with Beck and Sarge on Apple, Spotify and NHM Newcastle under Mamas.com.